0: Welcome to The Soft Life with me, Candy Washington, where we explore all things self-love, manifestations, and relationships with a cheeky dash of pop culture news. So be sure to subscribe, share, and join us on Patreon. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Soft Life, which used to be sugar pills, but we've rebranded, guys. So, welcome back to the Soft Life with me, Candy Washington. And as always, I cannot wait to help you lead a more joyful life. So, before we dive into today's episode, which will be a very enlightening, fun, inspiring conversation remember that if you need extra support, we have our Patreon community. We have a lot of support there with bonus content and extra goodies. We also have our courses, Manifest Your Dream Life Through Self-Love and the Art of Self-Love Masterclass, along with other courses. And we also have our Journey to Self-Love journal and our free newsletter, and you get a free self-love guide. So with that, let's dive right on in. So welcome, everyone. I have with me the very powerful and very inspiring, Tanisha Johnson. So if you guys are not familiar with her, she is a social worker and community advocate. She has worked with people of all economic statuses and cultures for over 18 years. She provides transformational coaching services and events to heal codependency and to unlock the power of self-care regardless of race, gender, or culture.
1: So welcome, Tanisha. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you so much for, you know, allowing me to be here and having this conversation today. Yes.
0: Thank you. So do you want to tell us a little bit more about yourself and then how did you find your way into the work that you do?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I, um, I started off like really in social work. I've been a social worker for 21 years now. Mm -hmm. Um, and about 10 years ago i realized that i was struggling with some depression and i you know i went to a therapist and the therapist like informed me after a few sessions that she really felt like um i was possibly codependent and i had no idea like what codependency meant or you know what mm-hmm. it was or anything like that i i didn't even have an idea about what it looked like to set boundaries um or say no and so i started attending uh, a 12-step uh group a codependent anonymous group uh, they're called coda groups
0: mm-hmm. and
1: i realized that yeah i definitely definitely um, need to be here um and so from there on you know i've been on this journey of defining who i am outside of my people pleasing ways um you know, and like learning how to find my own light within myself. And uh, about five years ago, I decided that, you know, I felt, I really felt good. And I felt like I wanted to do something for me. And I've always been a writer, you know, I've always loved to journal, you know, since I was a kid. And so I decided to write a book. And I was thinking like oh nobody's gonna you know want to read this book blah 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 um and I had like 70 uh 70 sales like within the first two hours of the book so I was really blown away
0: (laughs) that's great the first two hours that's amazing I wanted to take a step back because I I I love your story and i I've also gone to CODA, CODA group before too. And I first started on my healing from codependency myself. So I've definitely been in those CODA groups and I totally get it. Um, But for the people who are listening, who may not know the signs of codependency, you know, what does it look and feel like to be a codependent? Because just like you, I didn't even know what codependency was. I didn't know that I had it um, or Rather not have it. I didn't know that that's how I had been conditioned to be. But once me I went to therapy as well and started to really like reflect on myself, I started seeing the same exact patterns. So do you want to share with us what does codependency look like and how can it show up in your life?
1: Yeah. So codependency, like in a in a nutshell, are close it's um a cluster of behavior patterns that are all around focusing on someone else um you know it's people pleasing um minimizing our own feelings our own needs Mm -hmm. um occasionally being controlling um and just overall that sense of when someone else does something then we can then we can live or then we can focus on us Um, it's completely, it's a lifestyle completely centered around taking care of other people, whether that be like emotionally um, or physically, us relying on, almost like relying on that um, that ability to be able to care for someone so that we can feel loved and supported and, and validated. Um, and it's completely tr- untrue because we know that we deserve love regardless of what we do for other people um and so with the codependency generally codependents fall in a few categories Mm -hmm. either they were raised by a parent who struggled with mental health disabilities um physical disabilities, uh, struggle with drugs and alcohol, or just overall a parent um, that was unable to self-regulate themselves, therefore they were not in tune with their child or had the ability to regulate them. Um, And from that, what happens is in order for the child to learn how to survive, they start to adapt to the parent's needs and they become hypervigilant, of their surroundings, hypervigilant of, you know, body movements and um, and eye gestures and everything um, to try to figure out what's going on with the parent so that they can get their basic needs met. And if that is never resolved, you know, within the child, if they're never told, you know, that they don't have to do this, they can focus on them. It just kind of grows into these behavior patterns Mm -hmm. that now teach us in order to be in relationships with people, we have to give and we have to prioritize them and their needs so that they see us, um, yeah, and it's, it's a cycle, you know, that just continues throughout our life until we notice it and decide to shift it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I like for me, codependency really was just not having myself at my own center. Yeah. You know, like, you know everybody yeah. else was the center of my world, whether it was my mother or, you know, the boss or the boyfriend or the friend or whatever. I wasn't the center of my life. I would look to what I could do for them, who I could be for them in order to get my value or my worth.
1: Right. You know,
0: if they love me, then I'm lovable. If they choose me, then I'm a priority. You know, if they're proud of me, then I'm good enough. And just like you said, it does start in childhood because, you know, as codependents, usually again our self we're not taught that our self is our center so we look out to other people and then we're looking to our parents who are supposed to be the people that are supposed to literally keep us alive so it's that primal fear of if i don't take care of this person that's supposed to keep me alive then i will die it's literally survival um And so we look to our parents in order to keep them safe, in order to keep them happy, in order to keep them okay, because by keeping them okay, we're keeping our own selves alive. And that's why it's called like you're in survival mode, because that's really what it is. But when you learn that as a child, that's how you learn how to survive. But then those same things that you got conditioned to, to be like as a child, denying your own wants, denying your own needs, looking to everybody outside of you to to define your value and your worth, and then you get the whole abandonment wound there, right? If I'm not Mm for this this person, they will leave me, right? That's where that people pleasing comes in. And then, um, but then when you become an adult, what you learned as a child to survive now is what is actually sabotaging you. So you went from survival mode to self-sabotage mode which is why being codependent and um, people pleasing and not having boundaries, everything that you thought as a child was keeping you safe, now as an adult is actually sabotaging you. Because to be a healthy and healed functioning adult, you need to say no, you need to have boundaries, you need to have yourself be your own center. And so For me, that was really the unlearning of everything I learned how to survive as a child. I had to unlearn and then reparent myself in order to be a healthy, whole, evolved, functioning adult, which, you know, in the beautiful world, just world, I would have learned all of that as a child.
1: (laughs) Right, right. And me too, right? Many of us. Many (laughs) of us.
0: Yeah, so, so, so yeah. many of us. And then you talked about how you're a writer. And I think that's so true. I think a lot of people who become codependent are very empathic and very creative. And they always talk about, you know, the relationship between, you know, empaths and narcissists. It's almost like the codependent person and their kind of narcissistic person that either they grew up with or they attract. So did you find any of that in your in your life or with the people that you coach that they're very empathic and they tend to attract a more narcissistic person until they're able to heal and create boundaries and sort of stop that pattern?
1: Oh yeah, for sure. I mean I've <laughs> I've probably been in relationships with most of my relationships where uh, with narcissistic men, you know, mm-hmm. um, the last one was narcissistic. Uh, and I see it a lot, you know, in, in the clients, you know, that I work with. And um, it's really because um, people always ask me, how does it happen? Why does it happen? You know, what am I doing wrong? And we're not necessarily doing anything wrong. You know, Candy is more so mm-hmm. of, It feels like an instant attraction because until we have healed, we are like walking resources of love, support, guidance, affirmations, and all these things um, to other people, you know, right? And so it's like the narcissist is someone who is lacking in that area, they're seeking that out. They're seeking to hear that, you know, they are amazing. And they're, you know, they're seeking those things out. And generally they have a list of needs that they, you know, that they want, they want us to help them do. And so we feel like we're being supportive. We're playing our role. The narcissist is playing their role of asking everything that they need and, and shifting us, you know, in ways that feel good for them so that we can continue to uh, to support them. And it feels like this awesome dance, like almost like you're on a cloud, like, yeah. uh, you know, especially if it's a, um, a covert narcissist, because they have the ability to camouflage into anything that you want them to be. You know, they have a way of pouring into you so that you trust them very early on. And then we give them all this information about who hurt us, how they hurt us, um, what happened and all these things, because we think that they're a sincere person and most of us. You know, our parents or caregivers, you know, no one was asking us how your day was, how are you doing, you know, all those questions. And so when someone comes along doing that, we just automatically just become almost like in awe. And they use all that information to create the person that they think you want so that you fall in love with them. And after they know that they have you that's when the real person comes out and it's almost like a living nightmare that you're (laughs) (laughs) that, that you're in um and you're if you're not careful you will constantly be trying to figure out how can you get this what can you do to make this person the person that you originally met not knowing that the person we originally met was never the real person
0: yeah, and I think that's why um at least for me that's why I think, you know, healing ourselves and working on our on mm-hmm. our, our own wounds and our own codependency is so important because once I got like really self-aware and just like really like checking myself but in a compassionate way, um in, in a conversation that I would have with like my therapist and stuff, codependents and narcissists are pretty much like this two sides of the same exact coin yeah, because because we're both dysfunctional like being both of those things is unhealthy and dysfunctional and we're actually both using each other it's just that the codependent gets their value from what they give and the narcissists get their value from what they take when the healthy person gets their value from themselves exactly you know so it's like we're we're, we're using each other really because it because if you're being a codependent person, it's not healthy thinking, you know, I'm going to get my value. I'm going to feel good about me by fixing this person, by helping this person, by doing whatever it is, by giving, 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 you yeah. know, where the healthy person says, you know, who I am is enough and it's getting that interdependent relationship, not the I give, I give, I give, therefore I'm valuable, but I give and I take, I give and I take. You know, I give and I take, and then you guys are both working in that interdependent, harmonious relationship. So it's really like being on like two sides of the same of the same coin. But when you start to see, you know, why can't I say no? You know, why do I overgive? You know, why do I overshare? Why do I do blah 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 blah? And usually it's just that core wound of like, I don't matter, right? It's that core yeah. wound of feeling like I'm not enough. How I feel doesn't matter. What I want doesn't matter. And we kind of, like we we're talking about before, like the childhood um, coping mechanisms, you know, for me, I learned to like deny my feelings. So if I deny my wants and needs, that's easier to pretend to, to be in denial that I don't have any than it is to actually process through the fact that I may, I may not get them met.
1: Right. Because that's, that's,
0: right. that's a scarier place to be. I have these wants and needs, but the morality of the situation is they're not getting met. Right. And especially as like little kids, that's so much for our little brains and our little hearts and our right. little bodies, our little souls. So instead of saying it really hurts that my emotional, mental, spiritual, physical, whatever the needs are, aren't being met by the people that are supposed to meet them. So we say instead, well, I don't have any, but you know what I can do? I can meet my mommy's needs. I can meet my daddy's needs. I can meet my teacher's needs. I can meet my best friend's needs. I can meet the boyfriend's needs, right? Right. And then that's where we start to getting our value and our worth from. But that's why when you're in that codependent space, it's so exhausting because you're always hustling to make other people your center and 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 your source of value and worth and lovability. Right. And that is so exhausting. And that's why we get resentful. It's like, I always say yes to you. I always give to you. I always give, give, give. And the one time I asked for something, you set a boundary with me, how dare you? But if we had been setting boundaries the entire time, we would not have been depleted. And exactly. there wouldn't be the expectation that now you have to sort of, I'm cashing in all these chips. Or the other person is just like, well, you could have said no, I'm saying no now, whatever. And you're in your feelings and you're hurt and you're resentful and all this stuff because you are getting your value out of being that person's yes person, you know, that people pleasing stuff. So do you have any like examples or any parts of, you know, your journey or your client's journey where they really were confronted with like people pleasing and resentment and how they overcame it?
1: Yeah, I mean, well, my personal journey, like I, you know. I actually like hit rock bottom uh, Mm -hmm. before I really was able to understand what was, what was going on, Um, you know, living a life of codependency for so long um, had essentially, you know, I went into like a deep stage of depression. Looking back, I think I always struggled uh, with depression, even as a child. Mm -hmm. But that particular episode, um, I literally could not get out of the bed Mm -hmm. and I had just turned 30 and so parts of me were like, well, maybe this is like a 30 crisis (laughs) because I'm not married. I don't Mm -hmm. have kids. I'm not, you know, I just graduated from grad school, but I'm not in the, I'm not in the field that I thought Mm -hmm. I would be in, you know, or the job rather I thought I would be in. But then like over time I was like, no, something else is wrong. Mm -hmm. Um, Cause there's too many high points in my life right now for me to feel down. And so like through prayer, through therapy, that's when I really looked at myself and I said, okay, I've never really seen my worth as a person. uh, Because for me, I internalized, um, I was raised by my mom and my great aunt. My father was, um, I saw him every summer, so I mean Mm -hmm. he was, I did see him but he was not a parent that was in the home and I had internalized that as I'm not worthy enough to, to be loved and to be seen and I had lived my life as if You know, I didn't have any worth and my worth was what I could do for other people. And so I was good at it, you know, even down to the profession I chose Um, as a social worker. I remember working like 10, 11 hour days uh, because I was like committed to my clients. I was committed to helping at my church. I was committed. You know to my friends and I guess 29 years of living that way I literally had just burned myself out yep <laughs> I just I, you know. feel you.
0: I, I trust me I have been there I've, I've been with the burnout I've been with all of that you know I think we all hit those moments in our lives of a rock bottom or a moment of crises and I just want to commend you and everybody else who's listening That when you, because I've been there too, when you meet those moments, I think that's one of the most powerful opportunities that we have in our lives. When we think that there is no way out, when we think we've hit the bottom, when we think this is it, when we've completely burned out, and instead of just accepting that, we find a way to have hope. Right. Right you know, that maybe tomorrow will be better, maybe there is a way out of this, maybe this isn't it. And I think that when we do hit those, you know, darkest moments, that's kind of God, or, you know, whoever, or whatever people believe in, giving us one of the greatest opportunities that we have. Because the, you, you, there is no type of resiliency as a human being of thinking that you really like, this is just it for me, and having it turn around right you know right and i forgot i was i was reading i think it was i think it was neville garter he's a philosopher that i love and or maybe it was like florence um shovel sheen one of the two but they were talking about um having faith and like what that really looks like and and how you get it and when you're into the really dark moments faith isn't getting out of the darkness faith is a is being able to see in the darkness
1: oh i love that
0: in the dark you can still see a way out
1: yes i love that
0: that faith and hope like i may be in the dark but i can see through this dark so there will be a way out i just have to keep going
1: right yeah wow talk about resiliency that's what i that's what i feel when i hear that like having that level of, and, and I think for many of us is mm-hmm. codependents and people pleasers. Um, that resiliency has been what has carried us, you know? Yes. Um, and it's the same thing that can help us heal. You know, like, I feel like for my journey, I really had to understand I'm worthy of this. And and even as I walk this writer Coach entrepreneur journey. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I still find myself like, should I really be doing this? Like, am I ready? Um, like, I'm still in therapy. I still have a coach. Can I really help somebody else heal? And I have to deny that every time. Like, yes, yeah. Tanisha, you can. Like, you, you absolutely can. can. Like, yes, you, you have to be doing this. <laughs>
0: and I actually find it. I find it comforting and a good sign that you're still in therapy and you still have a coach because we always like whatever we're trying to do, you still need some type of guidance, some type of mentor, some type of, you know, person to guide you along the way. Like even Kobe Bryant, rest in peace, that's who popped in my head, um, had a coach. (laughs) You know, even, like, even Beyonce has a singing coach. Do you know what I mean? She has a choreographer. So it's, like, even the people who are these sort of, like, iconic top-of-the-game people, they still have coaches.
1: Yeah.
0: You know what I mean? You watch an NBA game, amazing people, NFL, you know, singers and actors and all these people, you know, they still have acting coaches. They have directors, they have singing coaches, you know, they have basketball coaches, you know, so it's like it's a false belief that we have to be perfect in order to lead right. or in order to be excellent. And the truth is, we just need to embrace our humanity. Right. And in a, a part of being a codependent or rather, healing from codependency is actually being able to ask for that support. Like I used to never be able to ask for help. I was the one you went to, I'm the person you came to for support. I'm the one you right. came to help. Yeah, <laughs> i got this. I was <laughs> always the assumption that I was good. And I wasn't, you know, nobody, I don't care who you are on this planet. Nobody is good just by themselves, every person deserves and is worthy of and is in need of help and support.
1: Right.
0: Um, And so one thing I do now is like every morning I say, thank you, God. I'm open and ready to receive your guidance, your love, your protection, your support. And when you realize that you are worthy of, you know, God's support, divine support, you know, that's huge because that's a huge part of being... You know, having this in my mind, I think that we're spiritual beings having a human experience and a part of that spirit or, you know, divinity that lives within you is having access to God's guidance and his love and his support. But when you don't think that you're worthy of your friend helping you or a parent helping you or a coach helping helping you, then how can you think you're worthy of God helping you?
1: Right. That's right. You're
0: missing out. You're missing out on, on such a massive a part of support. And it's realizing you do not have to do everything on your own. Mm-hmm. And the more I realized that I don't have to do everything on my own, whether it's getting spiritual help from God or whether it's getting, you know, uh, pra- I don't know, physical help or practical help, human help from other people, the more I realized I was worthy of that, the more I learned that the real problem was I didn't trust. I didn't trust them to actually help me. Right. I didn't trust right. that either they really would help me or I didn't trust that they would do it the way I wanted them to do it. Yeah. <laughs> See, like we said, there's also <laughs> that control factor. I can do it the best. I can do it the fastest. I can do it the most. Get out of here. Yeah. you know. So it was learning how to, A, trust myself enough to have the discernment that I will choose the right people to ask for help because everybody is not safe. You no. can't go to anybody or everybody for help. Absolutely the hell not. You need to know who is safe. Sometimes family is not safe. Sometimes the friends you grew up with are not safe. So no. you have that discernment to know who actually has the space, has the, who we it sounds cliche, but it's, we say it for a reason who is actually a safe space for me yeah and i actually bring my burdens to what i need and what i need help with but you know you have to trust that you'll work on your discernment knowing who is safe and who isn't and even if god forbid you're a human being and you choose the wrong person to ask for help and they let you down you'll still be okay
1: yeah it we will mean
0: you can't trust it doesn't mean you can't um you know, ask for help, it just means you're a human being, and you happen to ask the wrong person for help. But keep asking and keep going.
1: Yes. Knowing that, you know, who is meant to support us, you know, it'll be guided to us.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. And the more you know that, the more the people that aren't actually trustworthy will fall away. And the more that the people who are trustworthy will show up for you. Like I was dating, um, this guy, he's he's a really great guy. And it was the early stages of when we were together and I was moving. And he was like, oh, like, do you need help moving? And I was like, no, I got this. I'm fine. He was like, "Um, I know you can do it. But like, if you just want the help, I'm here to help you. Like, not even if you need the help. It's like, he's like, if you just want it. But I had been so conditioned to like handle everything by myself. Actually, just wanting help hadn't even occurred to
1: me. Right. You, you were to do it. I wasn't you.
0: prepared for it. And he was like, what do you mean? Like, if you just want the help, um, I'm here. I'll go help. You're like, Whatever. It's fine. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and I also think, um, and a part of that for me, like right now, what I'm really working on just in my own personal journey is really healing and cultivating and activating my divine feminine energy. Cause mm. being, being, haven't been codependent, I don't claim that anymore. I'm, you know, I'm that's in the past. But having that been codependent and it still flares up because again, I'm a human being, and sometimes patterns emerge and things happen again, and I'm just gonna give myself grace and do better next time. But I'm in my masculine a lot. Because yeah. if you really think about it, being a giver, people think that is feminine, but it's not. It's actually masculine energy. Yeah. I'm going to do, I'm going to give, I'm going to show, I'm going to perform, I'm going to control, I'm going to, you know, not ask for support, doing it all. Feminine energy is actually the receiver. Yeah. It's, feminine energy is receiving. It's the receiving of it. You know, And so I'm really working on, um, on healing that aspect of me, that like feminine energy, that divine feminine energy, and just really get, getting really, really comfortable with being open and ready to receive and being soft and being vulnerable, giving up control, letting go, being in the flow. You know, masculine is the hustle, feminine is the flow. So I really want to be in that flow. And when you let go and you're in your flow, that's when you really receive. You receive the support. You receive the guidance. You receive the protection. You receive the love. Yeah. It's a, it's, it's a false thought that it's feminine as a giver. Uh-uh. The, men, the masculine energy is actually what is supposed to provide and give. And yes. the female energy is actually the one that is supposed to hold space and receive.
1: A friend of mine literally just told me that uh, that same definition that mm-hmm. you described, like, maybe just like about a month ago. And I was like, oh, my God, you're right. She was like, yeah, it's like you're constantly that doing, doing, you know, every time we do that, it's like it, it flares up all that masculine energy. Right. Wow. Yeah, right. You know, like, yeah. Mm-hmm. So
0: and it has nothing. And people get it so twisted. It has nothing to do with like, oh, let me put some heels and lipstick on them and my feminine, my feminine energy. No, you're just in your masculine energy, looking cute with some lipstick. But your energy is still doing, doing, doing. You know, it has nothing to do with that. It has nothing it doesn't. to do with that. It's that. It's that energetic place, that divine place. You know. So I've definitely been working on that a lot. And I, and I think us talking about it's a sign for both of us to really cultivate that feminine energy. And I had um, something happen a couple of months ago, right when I started really being aware of, like, I'm going to tap into my feminine energy and really just be open and ready to receive and just be, uh, just be like a softer woman. I was at a coffee shop and, like, I started coughing a little bit. Something was, like, tickling my throat. And this guy walked over to me, and he was like, "Oh, hi!" And I was like, "Hi," like complete stranger. I was like, "Oh, hi!" And he's like, "Oh, (laughs) you know know what I mean?" And um, defense mode up, obvious, like you know what I mean. Just uh, like, why are you talking the way into my masculine? Why are you talking to me? All defense mode. Who are you? You know what I mean? (laughs) Like, girl, can you just calm down? And so, (laughs) like in the coffee shop, relax. And he was like, oh, well, I'll get you some kombucha with like ginger in it, you know, because you have a little cough, you know, just to get that for you. And I was like, no, I'm fine, because that was my default, shutting down, saying no, being defense mode. And then I thought, well, here I am, you know, asking God, meditating, journaling, doing affirmations about, you know, healing my feminine um, energy, you know, being um, open and ready to receive, you know, really stepping into my divine feminine energy. And God is giving me this opportunity right now to receive. And what did I just do? I just shot it down. And so I said, you know what? Actually, I would love that. Thank you. And he was like, okay, cool. And he went and got me the ginger kombucha. He gave it to me. He's like, I hope you feel better. I was like, thank you so much. And it was just this beautiful, nice exchange. So in that moment, I was able to sit back in my divine feminine, be soft, be vulnerable, and let someone help me do something for me, receive simply because I was existing. He didn't want anything from me. He just wanted to give to me. And when I let myself be in my healthy feminine, I let him be in his healthy masculine. Yes. You know, because his healthy masculine wanted to give to me.
1: Yeah. And if you would have took that over, then it would have went completely, he would have felt almost like denied, you know? He
0: he probably would have felt a little slighted, a little rejected. There might've been some ego in there. Do you know what I mean? Because, and that also happens in uh, relationships, right? Like with the person I was dating, he he was in his healthy divine masculine where he was just like, I am here to help you. I am here to serve you. If you need help, if you want help, I am here. But by me being like, no, I'm good, I'm denying him in his healthy masculine because I'm now wow. stepping into his masculine. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> and, and,
1: it changes
0: roles. and it changes the roles. It changes the dynamic. There, then there's resentment. Then there's ego. Then there's hurt feelings. Then the dynamic is different. And then you wonder why. Why don't you ever do anything for me? Well, because when I ask you, you say no. And then that's how you get dysfunctional patterns where your partner wants to be in their healthy masculine, but you're trying to be in your masculine. And then that's when it becomes toxic.
1: Yeah. And then we start to blame one another, you know, and it just gets, you know, it doesn't, it loses all that feel good feelings about being in a relationship and, Loving exactly. and supporting another person. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's all about uh, almost like competition.
0: Competition and all of that. And, you know, where people also get it wrong, they th- they also think it's, like, about money. Like, the man has to be the breadwinner. Like, in my <laughs> personal opinion, I'm pretty cons- – I, I do – just for me personally anybody else can live their life the way they want to live it i do think the guy should be the breadwinner that's just how i personally feel but when right. we're talking about that stuff it's it's not even about that it's like oh you're the woman goes out and makes all the money she wears the pants no it's more about appreciation of each other like a man could be in his healthy masculine and take care of the kids and the household and the woman could be in her healthy feminine and actually make all the money and bring it home. It's just, what is the appreciation level?
1: Right, Is
0: that healthy? You know, because he could feel like I'm giving, I'm providing, but what I do, but usually when there's no appreciation, then that leads to dysfunction because even in role reversal, where the guy is the breadwinner and goes out and provides all the money and the woman stays home with the children and the household, When she doesn't feel appreciated, that's when things become toxic. And when he does not appreciate the value that she brings, that's when it becomes toxic. So whether it's the man or the woman, if there's not appreciation for the value that each partner brings, that's when you get the dysfunction. That's when the men are like, oh, well, you're lazy. You you don't have to work. Oh, you're a gold digger. It's like, no, 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 none of that. She's making a wonderful home for you. She's raising right. the children, you know, she's providing for you. That is also valuable, if not more valuable than this little money you go out and make. Right. You can make money, but who can, but who can make you a home? Right. You know? So it's when either partner, dis, like, diminishes or dismisses the value that the other person brings, that's when it becomes dysfunctional. Exactly. You know, because a guy could be in his healthy masculine, taking care of the kids in the house as long as the respect and the appreciation is there. That's what really matters because even sometimes when the guy is out there making the money and he comes home and she's like, well, you're never home. You're not this. And he's like, well, I'm out there trying to make money for all of us, even (laughs) though though he's providing, he's not being appreciated and then you're going to have problems. So it's really just about knowing this is the value I bring to this relationship and this is the value you bring to the relationship. And we equally appreciate and honor each other for the value that we both bring.
1: You know? I love that. And it's, mm-hmm. I mean, and it's valid, you know, like, yeah, I don't even have anything to add to it. Right. Like, I, mean, I think the way described <laughs> it was just beautiful and amazing, right. you know? Yes,
0: <laughs> it is, it's the best. Ooh, okay. So I have our five soft life questions for you. This is a new segment I've started doing. I've done it with the last about four or five guests that I've had on. So it's the new segment. Are you ready? I am. All right. So these are the soft life questions. (laughs) The first one is what is one thing that you would tell your younger self?
1: One thing I would tell my younger self is um, to focus on focus on herself. Mm -hmm. Um, I would tell her just to straight from college, just live the life you want to live. Don't feel like you have to minimize yourself or, or, you know, Take care of other people, you know, just continue on the path of life feels good and I'm gonna go with it no matter what. And don't worry about what other people say.
0: Damn straight. That's something I always say to my younger self: stop dimming your light. Mm-hmm. Stop dimming your shine. Let them burn.
1: <laughs> Let them burn. <laughs> Let them burn bright. Let them
0: burn. All right. Our question number two. What is your definition of God?
1: Um, I mean, God is my, my definition of God is mm-hmm. he's my, he's my everything. Uh, my father, my savior. He's the reason why I'm here. Um, He's the reason why I even inspire to do the work that I want to do, because I know that that's the purpose and call that he has over my life. And, My job is to be obedient to that, knowing that that obedience one day is going to allow me to see his face. That's what I desire.
0: Yes. Yes. We feel his presence now, and one day we'll see the face. Yes. Our third question is How do you self soothe?
1: (sighs) I used to eat. Mm -hmm. (laughs) but Mm -hmm. I recently stopped doing that about just it's only been like about a month seriously like I Mm -hmm. I go through my phases but now my new self-soothe method um is like I love to like do breathing work nice and so I just take deep breaths throughout the day sometimes I even like count so that I can really be mindful of uh, Cause you know it's so easy to go okay.
0: Start <sighs> <laughs> <laughs> no, ventilating. <laughs> yes, like,
1: take a really big, deep, deep breath, blow out. You know the stress that you're feeling, and because I'm trying to find ways to tap into, um, to tap into what's really bothering me, right? You know? And I know that if I take that deep breath, I'm gonna get out of the back of my head and come to the front. Mm -hmm. where I can think. And so that's been like my new self-soothe. Although I still love my Ben and Jerry, but I've I've been working hard to let that go.
0: (laughs) Nice. Yeah, every once in a while is cool. (laughs) Every once in a while is cool.
1: For me, it was every day. (laughs) Yeah, we had a scheduled appointment.
0: (laughs) uh, No, 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 no. I'm happy you're doing the breath work. Because to me, it sounds like... You self-soothe through clarity. Yes. Like, and you use it, like, what is the, like, what is really bothering me? And then you use the breath work to get clear on that. And then through clarity, you can soothe and calm down and then actually address what the real problem is rather than numbing through the Ben and Jerry's or whatever it is. You're truly addressing what the actual issue is.
1: Right. I love that.
0: That's very powerful. I think... I think I numb myself so. being busy, <laughs> <All> right? <laughs> Our number four question is: What do you want your legacy to be?
1: Oh wow, that's a really good one. Um, yeah. Wow, um, you know, believe it or not, I want my legacy to be my writing.
0: Oh, I love you know, it. I mean, yeah,
1: you know, I mean, I want my. Because I'm 39, and the reality <laughs> is, even I know I'm going to get married. Yes. But even when I get married, I'm not sure if I will ever have my own biological children. Girl, I,
0: you better I'll switch be up it. that self-limiting belief and be like, <laughs> "I'm getting married, and I'm having my own children." I decide it. Period. Point blank.
1: Well, let me rephrase. Okay. I don't know if I want my own power. <laughs> oh, got children. it. Got it.
0: Okay. Okay.
1: Uh, it. You know, because I've. I've waited for this person for so long and and I've blocked myself from being loved because I didn't feel lovable. And so I'm just like, I don't know if I want to share him with anybody. You know, like his kids will come over, you know, and and I'll get an opportunity to be like stepmom and then they'll go to their mom and then I have my husband again. There you go. I like that that narrative for myself, but Do it.
0: yeah.
1: Um, but anyway, no. I, that and that's one of the reasons why I say um, my writing. You know, I want I want my books to be my legacy because I feel like books are amazing. Like they're here. You know, as long as this earth is here, everything that we write and now everything I can imagine that we put on the internet mm-hmm. um, is here. It's like our diary to people who are you know coming on before us with some of these same situations is like now they can like you know look up your podcast or or my books and Mm -hmm. they can continue to get support and guidance even though we're not you know physically here anymore and I just think that's beautiful like every time I think about it um I literally just started reading Mm -hmm. Um, all about love by bell hooks when she passed away
0: oh wow
1: like I had never read it I had never even heard of her like as an author like I went on a mission to learn uh, to try to like research more black authors and writers and I came across her And I was like, oh, my God, she's amazing. Like, let me look her up. And when I looked her up, she had passed away. And I was like, oh, my God, you know. But how beautiful it is that now I'm reading her book and being inspired about it, you know, and she's not here anymore.
0: Mm -hmm. I love it. And -hmm. our last soft life question is, who are you?
1: I'm still finding that out every day. Mm -hmm. I think. Today, I am a woman who knows what's important to her and the direction that she wants to go, Um, and also a woman that's just learning and growing, you know, to understand her own needs more. And I'm a woman that's on a mission to seek out joy and love within myself every day and Mm -hmm find ways to take care of myself every day um, and live beyond the codependency.
0: I love that. And you are. And you are. And you're doing all of it. You're writing. You're living beyond yeah. the codependency. You're helping people. You're inspiring people. You're doing it. You are living the version of you that you've called in to be.
1: Yes, that is true. That is true. I you, lot, that. you got a
0: lot to be proud of. You got a <laughs> lot to be proud of. And, and and it's funny because I I had that same realization where I was like, I sort of like stopped and I looked around at my life and I was like, wait a minute. You know, my life is what I've asked for it to be. Yeah. Of course, there's still things that I want, X, Y, Z, this, that, and the third. But I just sort of looked around and I was just like, my life is what I've called it to be and mm-hmm. now I just need to get into that appreciation mode. Like one thing I've always said is like, you know, God, let my life like let my life be easy, let it be clear, let it be easy, like let it be smooth, let it flow. Like I just want a very easy life, very easy life. And then I looked around and I was just like, my life is pretty easy. Mm-hmm. God, pretty good. Let me now appreciate this.
1: Yes, oh, you are that girl,
0: Candy. <laughs> Like sometimes we, like sometimes it's like you get caught up in the prayer and you get caught up in the asking that you miss that you received it.
1: You really do. Yeah, you forget to look you around look and acknowledge around. the work that we've done.
0: Right. And then I looked and I was like, you know what? I'm healed. I'm strong. I'm confident. My life is easy. I do podcasts. I'm doing YouTube. I'm hanging out. I live in the Palm Desert now. Like, there's palm trees. Like, I'm drinking my iced coffee. Like, yeah, your life is fine. Like, it's good. It's fine. But mm. I had, to, like I said earlier, I had to check myself in a compassionate, loving way and be like, now is the time to be in the present moment and to be grateful. Right. You know, cuz just like you, if you're in the present moment, you're you're living that life that you've asked for.
1: That's right. Yeah. Yeah, it's time for us to own it and mm-hmm. know that we've uh, we've earned this. You know, this is always, you know, I'll try to tell myself this was always where you were supposed to be. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And it's even deeper than earning it because it's like, we deserve it.
1: Right. Right. We
0: we deserve it. Just because we are here, just because we're born, just because God breathed breath into us. We deserve it. That's our intrinsic value. And the funny part is when I stopped trying to be worthy of it and knew that I was deserving of it, that's when it came. That's when it flowed in because I'm like, I'm burnt out. I'm exhausted. I've been doing the absolute most. Well, maybe it's time for me just to sit down and and realize my intrinsic value. (laughs) Ask God for help. Let it go and receive. It's like the whole circle of everything we've been talking about. The codependent mind says I have to do, do, do in order to deserve and be worthy. Healed mind says simply because i'm here i am enough and i am worthy right i don't have to prove my lovability to anybody i don't have to prove my value to anybody simply because i exist i am enough
1: right, right. We, it
0: doesn't mean we're still not going to you know go to school or you know learn and and get coached and you know of course we're still going to do stuff you know we're alive we have to still do stuff but it's the intentionality of the doing, you know, am I doing this in order to be good enough? Or do I know that I'm good enough and I'm just doing it because I want to.
1: (laughs) Right. (laughs) Because I want to. Two different things.
0: It's like, um, you know, when I get the ring, that will be the symbol or the moment that I know I'm worthy of love because someone chose me. Or do I know that I'm worthy of love? Therefore, I deserve.
1: Right. Deserve the ring. the
0: ring. And this, that, you know, the ring doesn't make me deserving. I am deserving of the ring.
1: All by ourselves.
0: All by ourselves. All by ourselves. All by ourselves. That's why you look at some people's lives and they're just like, and you're like, wow, sh- that person just has everything and they get everything. And they sort of have this mentality of like, yeah, well, because I deserve it. Why not? mm mm-hmm. You know, they have the mentality of like, yeah, I deserve it. Whether or not they're working hard or sweating and bending over and people and blah, blah, blah. They're just like, yeah, I deserve this.
1: Yeah. they're and like this the vibe.
0: That's the vibe. You know, that's the mindset we got to be in. I deserve this. I am here. I don't have to do anything or be anything. I exist and I'm worthy and I'm enough. Right. Ooh.
1: Wow. Yep. Virtual hugs and claps I have for you.
0: For you too. (laughs) Yes, because it's true. We are enough. We're more than enough. As is.
1: Yes. As As is.
0: is. And if we ever forget it, one thing I do is I find examples of people who have my exact circumstance that i falsely believe is why i'm not enough for something who gets it you know it's like oh when i you know i'm too poor to have this i'm too black to have this i'm too short to have this i'm too white to have that i'm too fat i'm too thin or whatever it is we'll find someone in the world who has whatever you think it is about you that's not enough who has exactly what you want right because there's a, there's a lot of poor people who became very, very rich. There's a lot of people who aren't conventionally cute or whatever you want to call it, who are happily married. You know what I mean? So it's like all of that crap that we think makes us non-deserving simply isn't true.
1: Yeah, it's not real.
0: It's not real. It's an illusion. It's not real.
1: Yeah. <sighs> this has been Awesome. Yes, it has. I've truly enjoyed this conversation, Me even got some nuggets myself.
0: Me too. Me <laughs> too. I feel like this has been such a good, healing, inspiring conversation. I appreciate you so much for coming, sharing your story, sharing your guidance. So I will have everything linked down below in the description box in the show notes. But Do you want to leave us with two things? One, your last word of wisdom. If we were going to get anything out of the time together, what's one thing you want us to leave with? And two, where can we find you? Where can we get your books, get your coaching, and just connect with you?
1: Yeah. So one thing that I would leave is something that I literally, during my days of recovery, mm-hmm. I literally look myself in the mirror every single day at one point, And I said, Tanisha, no one is more important than you. Yes. And- you know, if I could leave anything, that's what I would leave. It's even if you're a mother, you're a wife, you know, you're a significant other, what whatever your title, you know, is, in order for you to truly support someone else, it's essential that you support yourself first. Yes. You know, no one is ever more important than us. Um, so I just want everybody to remember that and you can find me on TikTok, Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, um, all under TJ Self Care. And then um, if you go to my website, TJSelfcare.com, mm-hmm. I have a free link, a uh, free guide, I should say. Um Five Ways to End People-Pleasing that I always encourage people to get. Um, of course, I have my book, When Depression and Anxiety Have a Voice. Um, I do have my podcast, the Pray Grow yeah. Podcast, um, where I drop gems about living a life free of codependency every episode. Yeah. Uh, and then I also have uh, my coaching, coaching program that I encourage people to look at if they want one-on-one support.
0: Perfect. And everything will be linked down below in the show notes and the description box. So Tanisha, thank you so much. I really appreciate this. And to everybody who will be watching and listening, as always, if you found this of value, be sure to subscribe, like, rate and review and share this with a friend because your journey to self-love is always better with a little bit of support. Check out everything linked down below. You can join our Patreon, grab a course, grab the self-love journal and then get our newsletter. It's free and you get a free self-love guide. So with that, everyone, as always, take care of yourself and each other. Bye. Bye. Welcome to The Soft Life with me, Candy Washington, where we explore all things self-love, manifestations, and relationships with a cheeky dash of pop culture news. So be sure to subscribe, share, and join us on Patreon.